Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. My dear brothers and sisters, aloha. Thank you for that response. As introduced, though my name is Japanese and my roots are from Japan, I was born and raised in Hawaii. We have an elder Yoshihiko Kikuchi from Japan among the general authorities. He's the real Japanese general authority and I'm the imitation one. As I was introduced that I joined the Church some 45 years ago, a week ago Saturday, and celebrated those many years as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I did not have the knowledge of the gospel then, as a young man of 17, when I was baptized, but I knew for surety that the prophet had seen the Father and the Son in a grove in a grove, grove of trees in upstate New York. The missionaries that were teaching me that story, that testimony came over in my mind. May I share with you tonight, tonight my testimony of how the multitude of blessings from our Father in heaven and through his Son, Jesus Christ, are available to us all as we obey and keep his commandments. In Latter-day Revelations we find, whatsoever principle of intelligence we attain in this life, it will rise with us in the resurrection. And if a person gains more knowledge, and intelligence in this life through his diligence and obedience, then another, he will have so much the advantage in the world to come. To illustrate this point, I remember I'm reminded of an experience in Hawaii while serving in the bishopric there. I was assigned to the MIAN. As the bishopric met together to consider a couple to become the president and superintendent of the MIA, we could not find or come up with a suitable name. So the bishop had asked that we kneel in prayer with him. He petitioned the Lord, seeking inspiration and revelation for this couple. After the amen was said, the bishop asked the first counselor if he had any promptings, and he mentioned the name of this serviceman couple whose husband was a priest in the Iranic priesthood and was not as active as he should be because he had a smoking habit. The bishop turned to me and asked if I had felt anything, and similarly the name of this couple came very strong in my mind. And the bishop said, he too received the same impression. We immediately called the couple to the bishop's office 
And as I sat with the bishop, he stated to the couple that the Lord has called them to be the superintendent and president of the Ward MIA. The brother immediately put up his hands and said, thank, Bishop, thank you for your consideration, but I cannot accept the calling because I have a smoking habit. The bishop reminded the brother that, of course, the calling is without the cigarette. <laughs> then the brother started to tell of his long battle he had with this habit. In fact, for the past six years, he has been trying to overcome this smoking habit. Especially, he said, during, this was during the Korean War in 1954, he'd abstained from smoking for six months. And as he'd go out and on duty on board ship in the quiet and lonely hours on deck, he said he'd be standing in the fantail of the ship, and then from the upper side would come a sailor, light up his cigarette, and starts puffing his cigarette. Then all of a sudden that smoke would come toward his nose and the temptation was all too great for him to not ask for a puff. And as he participated in that puff, he would feel guilty all over again, breaking his long abstention. This wise bishop, inspired by the Lord, asked this brother if he loved his wife who sat next to him. And the brother was quick to answer yes even to the point of defending her honor with your life if necessary? He, without hesitation, said quickly, again, yes. Then the bishop said to him, do you feel the same about your two teenage beautiful daughters that are in the ward? And he again answered yes. Now, without stopping, the bishop continued by calling this man a big liar, right in front of his wife. The brother immediately stood up and said, well, he flexed his big arms and fist. He said, nobody calls me a liar in front of my wife. If you weren't my bishop, you'd be lying on the floor right now. <laughs> the bishop said, ask the brother, are you really good and mad? And he said, sure I am. Then this wise bishop said, please, listen carefully to what I will tell you. Then he started to tell this young serviceman that in one breath he was saying he loved his wife and his two daughters so much that he even would defend their honor with his life. Yet in another breath, he was saying he cannot accept a call from the Lord because of this little weed of a cigarette habit which he that was standing in the way of his progress in this life to receive the Melchizedek priesthood and be ordained an elder so that he could be sealed to his wife and daughters for time and all eternity in the, in the temple. The bishop said to him this way, what, what if you went to sea duty and then your ship was sunk? You say, and you died without being sealed to your wife and two daughters. 
And then a good man came about, married your dear wife, raised your two daughters, and they got very close to your, their, their new stepfather. And this good man took your wife to the temple and had not only your wife presently sealed to, the, to him, but also the two daughters by that time. What would become of you in the next world? Brothers and sisters, if the bishop said, you should go home today from your Sunday school, gather your family together, and pray about this, and ask the Lord for direction and help. The couple left the bishop's office and returned to their Sunday school class. But before the class period was over, this brother came to me and asked that he and his wife would like to see the bishop again. As we sat in the office, he told the bishop, I have no desire to smoke again and will accept the calling without smoking. They served valiantly as a husband and wife team, leading the ward MIA with great leadership and did a fine job. Shortly after a year, he was recommended to receive the Melchizedek priesthood and was ordained an elder. And the bishopric and many mem members of the ward were all at the Hawaii temple witnessing the sealing of the husband and the wife and then their two beautiful daughters to them. There were many happy tears shed that day to see this man clearly see his future and his future life with his family all sealed together. Surely the revelation stating whatsoever principle of intelligence we attain unto in this life, it will rise with us in the resurrection. And surely if a person gains more knowledge and intelligence in life, in this life, through his diligence and obedience, he will have so much the advantage in the world to come. The Lord also continues and says, there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundation of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessings from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. This serviceman and his family moved from our ward later, and they moved into the naval housing area in the Pearl Harbor State. He was called as a second counselor in that state young men's presidency, and still later, was transferred to the Bremington, Washington shipyard in the state of Washington. One day as I looked at the church news on the inside last page, where they used to print, uh, published the pictures of new bishoprics called in the church, and lo and behold, I saw this brother sitting with a great grin and smile on his face with two counselors sitting next to him. He was just called as a new bishop. This was now about three years from this, that Sunday that the bishop had talked to him in that office. Surely the Lord is no respecter of persons and will bless all who will order their lives in conformity with the gospel principles. The Lord said also, And again I say unto you, I give unto you a, a new commandment that you may understand my will concerning you. Or in other words, I give unto you direction 
how you may act before me, that he may turn to you for your salvation. Then finally he said, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. But when you do not what I say, you have no promise. Brothers and sisters, let's follow the example of our Savior and Redeemer, who always was obedient to the will of his Father in heaven. Elder Bruce McConkie, in his book, The Promised Messiah, says Christ came to reveal his Father to mankind. There's no better way to envision who and what the Father is than to come to his Son, to know his Son. The Son, in all respects, is the Father. They look alike, each in his own expressed image of the person of the other. Their thoughts are the same. They speak forth the same eternal truth. And every deed done by one is the same thing the other does under the same circumstances. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, believeth not in me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Also no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye have known me, ye should have known my Father also. And henceforth ye are... You have known him and have seen him. He that has seen me had seen the Father. The Savior, though he was without sin, set the pattern that we might follow as he was baptized to take away the sins of the world. Nephi, the great Mormon, Book of Mormon prophet, tells us, And now if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water and to fulfill all righteousness, Oh, then how much more need we ha have we, being unholy, to be baptized, yea, even by water. And now I would ask of you, my beloved brethren, wherein the Lamb of God did fulfill all righteousness in being baptized by water, know ye not that he was holy? But notwithstanding he being holy, he showed unto the children of men that according to the flesh he humbled himself before the Father and witnessed unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him in keeping his commandments. The Savior showed man, the man, mankind the way, the straight and narrow path by which we should enter the gate and we are promised if we endure to the end, keeping the commandments after baptism, we can gain eternal life. The Lord knew that the earthly experiences does not come easily, but by hard work and long-suffering. He himself became the author of the plan of salvation through obedience. The sufferings of our Savior were part of his education, and the Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Hebrews said, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. President Spencer W. Kimball, who suffered many tribulations during the course of his life, said, Suffering can make saints of people as they learn patience, long-suffering, and self-mastery. In his article, Tragedy and Destiny, he quotes Elder James E. Talmadge, who states, no pang that is suffered by man or woman 
upon the earth will be without its compensating effect if it be met with patience. President Kimball further says, on the other hand, these things can crush us with their mighty impact if we yield to the weaknesses, complaining and criticizing. He quotes Orson F. Whitney, who said, No pain we suffer, no trial we experience is wasted. It ministers to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our characters, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. And it is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gained the education we came here to acquire, and which we will make us more like our Father and Mother in Heaven. The Prophet Joseph Smith had gone through many trials and tribulation in his life and pleaded with the Lord for the suffering saints in his day. The Lord said to him, My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but for a small moment. And then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. Thy friends do stand by thee and they shall hail thee again with warm hearts and friendly hands. We find in a section 44, verses 45, 46, and 47, Thou shalt live together in love, insomuch that thou shalt weep for the loss of them that die, and more especially for those who have not hoped for a glorious resurrection. And it shall come to pass that those that die in me shall not taste of death, for it shall be sweet unto them. And they that die not in me, woe unto them, for their death is bitter. The Lord gave us many challenges by way of commandments, and he so instructed us through his apostles of old. If ye keep my commandments, Ye shall abide in my law, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Henceforth I have called you not servants. For the servant knoweth not that what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Again in Latter-day Revelation, the Lord speaks through the prophet Joseph in yet another commandment regarding our responsibilities to share the gospel with others. That every man, both elder, priest, teacher, and also member, Go with his might, with the labor in his hands, <coughs> excuse me, to prepare 
and accomplish the things which I have commanded. And let your preaching be the warning voice every man to his neighbor in mildness and in meekness, especially when we see someone fall into sin. The Lord is saying that we must be kind and fellowship that person back into activity with the pure love of Christ in mild tones and in meekness. Paul, in speaking to the Galatians, teaches us, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, let thou also be tempted. The Savior, again, regarding sin and forgiveness, gave us this revelation to the Prophet Joseph in a Doctrine and Covenants when he said, Nevertheless he has sinned, but verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, forgives sins unto those who confess their sin before me and ask forgiveness, who have not sinned unto death. He said, My disciples in the days of old sought occasion against one another and forgave not one another in their hearts. And for this evil they were sorely afflicted and chastened. It's easy, brothers and sisters, for you and I, when someone crosses our path, for us to say to them, forget it, you're forgiven. But yet when it comes time, when we're reminded of that incident, we sometimes do not remember what we have said and continue to talk about that which had given us that problem. The Lord says in the ninth verse, and he tells us our responsibility, why we should forgive and forget. Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another, for he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord, for there remained in him the greater sin. Brothers and sisters, I once went into business in a partnership with a man who was very astute in business. And I thought that because he was a member of the church that he was going to take care of me as I came along as his junior partner in that partnership. And I was so grateful that he was willing to share with me that opportunity of being in business with him. But after three months of work, I found that I was doing all the work and he was not doing anything. And the business was not as he had said it was going to be. And it was a very sad experience on my part. And from the opportunity, I became very sour. And then after a few more months, I was hardly gaining any income. So I finally had to tell him, I'm sorry, but I must ask you to dissolve this partnership. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, after the partnership was dissolved, for a long time, about a year, I had a bitter feeling within myself. I know it was not easy for me when someone asked me how was so-and-so and what kind of man he is. And I used to cut him the first year. But 
after a year of cankering my soul in that experience, the good Lord blessed me with that inside inspiration, I guess. And I said to myself that I must not carry this on. And every time someone would ask me about him, I'd say, he's such an astute businessman, you have to be careful. He's great. He's tremendously akamai, we say in Hawaii, smart. And I would say nothing but the best that I can think about him. And pretty soon, brothers and sisters, this good word got into his ear. As we walked down the street where he used to avoid me and walk on the other side and avoid, now he'd call my name from afar and say, Adney, how? How's everything? We became friends. He started to send me car, a Christmas card with his family in color. I remembered that ninth verse, Wherefore I say unto you, you ought to forgive one another. For he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses, standeth condemned before the Lord, for there remained in him the greater sin. The Lord gave us in the tenth verse of that scripture the law of forgiveness when he said, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. But of you it is required to forgive all men. I think you and I must do this, brothers and sisters. It's not easy, I'm sure. We've had recently the great devastation that came over the television of these seven astronauts. And now they're scarring the earth and the ocean and so forth to find out what happened. I know it's not hard when we face devastation like this. But brothers and sisters, the Lord has said, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. As for you, you must forgive all men. I hope and pray you and I would be able to live the gospel when something happens that we have no control. Though it happens very close, it does hit us very right between the eyes, so to speak. We find a great parable in the story of the prodigal son, where the Lord gave this parable to us for several reasons. I think there's a great story behind it. And I'd like to go over that parable with you tonight and try to glean out some of the points that I think is very important. He said there's a certain man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. And he divided them unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that, in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came unto himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? 
I will arise and go to my father and, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, and make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose <coughs> excuse me, and came to his father. But when he is, was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell about his neck and kissed him. The son said to the father, I have, no, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more thy worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let's, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder brother, or elder son, was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked, what does these things mean? He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father had killed the fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound. The brother was very angry and would not go in the house. Therefore the father came out and entreated him. And the, young, the older brother said, Father, lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I any of thy commandments, yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with hollards, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that he should be make, we should make merry and be glad, for thy brother was dead and he is alive again, and was lost and is found. This parable teaches us several important lessons. First, brothers and sisters, it touched, tells us to forgive one another that we should not look on the weak points of the person that has fallen. He has now humbled himself to come back, and the father is saying to the son, we must welcome him back into the fold because he has seen the light. I think, brothers and sisters, you, we who are here, who have left parents behind to come to this great institution to study and learn and get an education, must remember that we have parents who loves us very much. The joy of the father who killed the fathered calf, restoring his lost son, I'm sure your parents feel the same no matter what you do in this life. I'm always reminded about the man that's supposed to have shot President John F. Kennedy in that early days when in Texas. 
His mother came forth, though the whole world condemned the man. And the mother said, My son did not shoot the president. I hope that you and I would always remember the love of our mothers and fathers. They would do anything and everything for us. We who are now members of this church and kingdom of God, under the restored principles that has been given to us by the prophet Joseph, have certain things we must do. We must obey and keep the commandments. It's not easy, brothers and sisters, to walk the straight and narrow path. It's a challenge with the world filled with pornography and all of the wiles of the devil. But if you and I would remember always that we have loving parents, they are our best friends, let's confide in them. Let's take our innermost feelings to them. Share them your thoughts and be unafraid. For I'm sure, brothers and sisters, that as a father, Sister Camacho and I have four children. Notwithstanding whatever they do in this life, they are our children. As the Lord said, I must forgive. I must love. And I hope that we will take them in confidence and never set our parents aside. When you're far away from home, as I have met some of you tonight, earlier, from South Africa, from other states of the Union here in the United States, we're assigned to a ward, and we have a bishop, and we have a state president. When you're in a dire situation and your parents are not available, and you need an answer, you have a bishop. We never set our parents aside for the bishop, but when they're not available, we should go to our bishops. I was a bishop once, brothers and sisters, and a bishop cannot tell a lie because if he does, the Lord would know and all too soon he would not be a bishop for long. I hope and pray that we would seek the advice of a servant of the Lord. After the bishop has talked to you and you're still not quite satisfied with that which he has given you, See the stake president. I hope that you will always remember that we must keep the law. We must obey the commandments. We're told that if we endure to the end, the Lord will bless us with eternal life. In the 58th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, in verse 2-7, President Harold B. Lee, who had lost his wife, and then when he was on the State conference in Hawaii, he had a call by the doctor attending the daughter saying that, President, if you don't come home right away, I don't think we can keep your daughter alive any longer. Please make every effort to come. President Lee said he pleaded with the doctor to just keep her alive for another, another day and another day so that I can be through with my assignment with the Lord and come home and say goodbye to my daughter. He only had two girls. He said he prayed that night all night long, petitioning to the Lord, please, please, Lord, keep her alive until I can come home. But in the wee hours in the morning, he said he received a call from the doctor and said, I'm very sorry, President, but your loving daughter has gone on beyond. 
President Lee said he felt really lonely. He was a special witness of the Lord. He turned to this section in the 58th section in verse 2. For verily I say unto you, Blessed is he that keepeth my commandment, whether in life or in death. And he that is faithful in tribulation, the reward of the same is greater in the kingdom of heaven. You cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time the reward, the designs of your God concerning those things which, which shall come hereafter and the glory which shall follow after much tribulation. For after much tribulation comes the blessings. Wherefore the day cometh that ye shall be crowned with much glory. The hour is not yet, but nigh at hand. Remember this which I tell you before, that you may lay it to heart and receive that which is to follow. Behold, verily I say unto you, for this cause I have sent you, that you might be obedient and that your hearts might be prepared to bear testimony of the things which are to come, and also that you might be honored in laying the foundation and in bearing record of, of the land upon which Zion shall stand. Brothers and sisters, President Lee was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. Yet you and, all, you and I know what happened. He was called to be one of the living prophets of the Lord here in the last dispensation of the fullness of times. President Spencer W. Kimball often said, we should hate the sin, but love the fallen brother. We should fellowship he that is gone astray and love him back into the fold. Recently, I interviewed a young, a, young, a young lady who needed clearance from a general authority before she could go on her mission. She came in and I could see that she was very concerned about the interview. I assured her that she was going on this mission and that she had been working toward for the past few years. Then she burst into tears as the tears flowed freely on both cheeks. I said, would you like to Tell me about your concerns. She started by saying, brothers and sisters, that during her young teenage years, she left home and started a life with the world and with her peers, thinking that this was what she wanted. She ran away from home. After only a, over a two and a half year period, she was involved in drugs, all kinds of worldly ways, and life with sex and loose morals. One day, as she groveled in self-pity, like the story of the prodigal son, she decided to return home again, for she said to herself, nothing good can come from this kind of living that I am doing. She went back home to her parents, humbly, and to her surprise, her parents took her in and blessed her with medical help and the love that she had never appreciated before. After four years of rehabilitation, she decided to serve the Lord as a missionary and work closely with her bishop and stake president to qualify for this calling. When she came into the office for that interview, she was now 22 years old. 
I said to her that when she receives her call as a missionary, she would bring into her the hearts of her parents joy unspeakable for their daughter who was lost has come alive again. And she has now said that I would like to serve my Father in heaven as a messenger to mankind. I said to her, all of the years of heartaches that you had caused your parents, especially when they knew you were in the neighborhood, steeped in drugs and all the things they have taught you that was not right, all of those heartaches would melt and swiftly disappear because now you have straightened yourself out and you have said, I want to serve my Father in heaven. When you get that call, there can be no higher honor paid to your parents when one of their little baby that was born in this world, especially the mother who brought her in, I said, nursed her and nurtured her, and, and she was a beautiful young lady now, she would think to herself, this is my baby that's out there now. Though she had a hard life, she went off the road but came back, and now she's in the fold. A missionary cannot lie. She cannot cheat. She cannot deceive someone else and be a missionary. She must be honest, clean, and pure. David Henry Thoreau said that when our thoughts are pure, our spirit automatically flows into God. And I know that if missionaries would only be pure and clean, that their spirits would flow unto God. Brothers and sisters, many of you who are returned missionaries today here in this audience, you have gone through the house of the Lord and made, had made covenants with the Lord, very important covenants. Eternal salvation rests upon how you keep those covenants. Those of you who have not had the opportunity yet should make yourself available through your bishops and state presidents for that great, great blessing that comes because we who are members of this, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, are the only people on this earth that have the great blessings of having revealed to us through living prophets and angels and servants of God those blessings that we need in order to gain the presence of our Father in heaven. Temple work today, brothers and sisters, are now being carried on like no other time in the history of this church. The 39th temple was just dedicated, and there's some 45 temples announced and in progress now being built. In the Isles of the Sea, there's about five temples now. I know the people in Tonga, Samoa, Tahiti, in many of the Isles of the Sea were, were so poor that said, I cannot take a trip to New Zealand or Hawaii. But now the Lord has made it so easy. No one has an excuse and say, I cannot go to the house. The last days are here, brothers and sisters. I hope and pray that you and I would make available ourselves to the Lord's house. <coughs> Excuse me. I told this young lady that 
as she goes out to the field to be a missionary, I cautioned her that missionary work was not easy. The joy that she will receive from her labors as a missionary will be an eternal experience and that she will cherish it forever and ever. Some of the lessons that we learn from the parable of the prodigal son is when the older brother asked the father, how come you are doing this and this for my younger brother you and you haven't done to me? And then the father said, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. If you and I would endure to the end and search the scriptures and live honorably to the principles and precepts that we know are true, surely the Lord says, for this cause that men might be made partakers of the glories which were to be revealed, the Lord sent forth the fullness of his gospel, his everlasting covenant, reasoning in plainness and in simplicity. I bear you my humble testimony, brothers and sisters, that if you and I live the gospel and do everything we can to be honorable to that which we have been revealed and given, the Lord will bless us and help us on to this journey toward eternity. You're all here for an education, and I read this statement from Thomas Huxley when he said, the most valuable result of all education is the ability to make yourself do the things you have to do when, you, when it ought to be done, whether you like it or not. It is the first lesson that ought to be learned. However early a man's training begins, it is probably the last lesson that he learns thoroughly. I bear you my humble testimony, brothers and sisters, that I know that the gospel is true. It has been revealed in these last days in its fullness by living prophets. And that if you and I would keep sacred the covenants we make in the house of the Lord, for in it, in these covenants, a promise is given to us through the scriptures that we can become gods. And I bear humble witness that today we have President Spencer W. President Ajataf Benson, who has just been called as the prophet. When I think about President Benson working under President Spencer W. Kimball these many years, and in his 87th year now, is being called to be a living prophet. Some of us who are 60s and the 70s feel we're so tired and worn out that we need to retire. We need to go to Hawaii and bask in the sun. <laughs> but President Ezra Taft Benson was tapped on the shoulder by the Lord. It said, Ezra, thou hast been faithful these many years. Now thou shalt be my prophet. Sister Benson, who's had a stroke, stood by his side all these many years. This great couple of our leadership now in the church. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is again secure with the full First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve and other general authorities. I bear you my humble testimony that if we live the gospel, do all we can to be honest with ourselves and with the Lord, he'll bring you the blessings that he has promised to those who are faithful to the end.
In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Classic Speeches Podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.